0: Hello, and welcome to the Biswell Podcast. This is Melissa Botello, and I have a very special guest today. Denise Clark joins Biswell today, and she is a businesswoman, winemaker, wife, and mother. Her business life has included owning a hotel and a restaurant, a freight business, and she was a paralegal. Now her labor of love is winemaking at the Altapino Winery and Vineyard, where she's the co-owner and winemaker. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. You did. You did. And so today, Denise is going to talk with us a little bit and also tell us about her amazing wine that in 2017 won the San Francisco International Wine Contest. I, I read did. that. Yeah, double gold, silver, and bronze. So amazing. Well, thanks for joining and agreeing to chat with me today. Well, I'm so excited. I'm excited as well. Thank you so much for extending the invitation. Absolutely. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit more about you. I did the intro, but I'm sure I didn't give you, pay you justice of where you started and your journey and how you
1: became a winemaker with all that business background. It's very interesting. We I got into the business in really 2008. And that was a result of the 2007 wildfire. We had avocado trees, oh, here. which burned on the property. Uh, and my husband and I had just recently gone to southern Tuscany, and we fell in love with yes. Brunellos and Malticino. What is there not to love about it? And so um, out of the disaster, I was so distraught coming back here. I said, let's plant a vineyard. And I looked at him, and so I didn't think he was serious, but he's kind of a guy that just gets in motion. I said, we don't know anything about vineyards. You don't even know how to plant a vineyard. And so um, we got serious about it, had a soil analysis, and hired a, a guy that was a consultant to tell how to plant. We went up to University of Rutlands and took a vineyard management course mm. and tried to figure it out. We were put in contact with nursery up in Santa Rosa. No vine, Certified all of our plants and we planted 3,600 vines June 20, 2008. It's been a journey ever since. 2008,
0: so it's been 10 years. 10 years, This yes. is the 10-year anniversary. So going back, you were on vacation and then there was a fire and I didn't mention in the beginning but your winery is in the San Diego area
1: of Southern California. California. It is. We're in the uh, Escondido Amigrated up in Highland Valley. Highland Valley was a great growing region prior to Prohibition, and it's really just going back to its root. One of the uh, phenomenal things about our area is that the folks planted citrus and apple, and what we have subsequently learned, um, that 20, uh, our avocado grove was about 30 years old at, at the time of the fire, and once that happened, there's amazing in the soil that are activated as a result of a fire, so there are very good things that half, but our soil was so rich, and there's just this beautiful sweetness to the soil. So it was decomposed granite, mm-hmm. it's the composition with organics, you know, 30 years organic, and so it's uh, um, it has lined itself very well for us to grow the Italian varietals that we specialize. However, up in this area, the other wineries here, which are seven of us, uh, they also are able to grow uh, a, a phenomenal wine. Uh, Rome grow well here, as well as Spanish varietal and there is just this really special um, microclimate that we have. We have rain that comes in, burns off by 11. So um, it's just very conducive to growing grapes, and the grapes love it. Um, there's some superior products being put out by all seven wineries up in Highland Valley. Yeah, well, I've had the opportunity to taste
0: yours and a few others, and yours is my favorite. I absolutely love it. We can oh, thank and, you. you. Know, we, as soon as we get some, we can't even wait and keep it for a few days. It's gone right away. So.
1: I'm known for doing Big so, Reds. I love Big Reds. I try my hand once at uh, trying to make a rosé and it was the the biggest comedy and I had a dear friend, Michael Moore, came over and I was in tears. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he helped me out there but I I just said I'll stick to what I know. And and at that time, you know, this has been an amazing journey for me because my background is business. I was in human resources uh, with the federal government, retiring in uh, June of 2012. But prior to then, uh, we had a winemaker for two years that made our wines. And then in 2012, I took over as winemaker. My earlier career started in the United States Air Force in 1974, served six and a half years. And that, I believe, really was such an extraordinary experience because I met so many wonderful people. Uh, it further developed, you know, that core discipline that I was raised with about hard work leads to very good. So you know that work ethic is really played into uh, this journey. I think all of your experiences lead you to really where you're supposed to be and at 54 I started a new career as a winemaker. I'm 62 now and I'm still writing the chapters. Absolutely
0: well that's why I was so excited to talk to you. I think there's so many people me included that have gone down this path and at some point we would just want to pivot we want to try something different but it seems like overwhelming or, or too much of a stretch. And so talk to us a little bit. You said uh, you had the foundation from the service, which thank you for being our country. What skills and or strengths that you learned there that you've seen and you've been able to use throughout all of your different...
1: I think the biggest thing uh, it elaborated on was uh, the discipline. Uh, being a winemaker, running the vineyard, coming outside of my comfort zone, really have to be disciplined. You have the skill set to interact with a lot of different people. In a traditional male dominant World. and that certainly at the time I went into the service there were not very few women in the service as a matter of fact as I was telling you before there was only a, one other female that was going through technical training with me. so it, it really I learned a lot about uh, diversity in the workplace because you know you you develop the uh, thick skin mm-hmm. it forces you to really come outside your comfort zone and to develop a certain amount of security with this but I think too it teaches you you have to love what you are doing if you can't if you're doing something that you don't love then figure it out and we all have to pay our bills mm-hmm. but I think the most important thing you can do for yourself is to find uh, that, that journey that's really going to bring a lot of joy because everybody has a purpose right. Absolutely. and I think that we all have to be open for those opportunities I didn't choose to become a winemaker this forced me to come outside my comfort zone you know it's, it's all of those things that have come together to help me Is there is a joy to it. There really is. And I just love the, uh, the fruit of our labor, how it comes about. And then people come in here to the winery and enjoy what my husband built.
0: Yeah, well, when you talk about it, your whole face lights
1: up. Yeah. And I can see the joy <laughs> just in your face
0: and in your eyes. So the labor of love shows even outside of your wine and through you as well. So you mentioned working in a male, or excuse me, yeah, a male industry. And, you know, what lessons and what, you know, obviously that's a challenge for anybody working in an industry where there's majority of uh, people are male. What things have you learned or what would you share with people if they're working in a similar, regardless of industry, just with male-centric. How do you survive? How do you stand out? What lessons have you learned?
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, I would say when I first started making wine, that first year was so difficult. I think I really understood what it is to have a nervous break. But after I got through it, um, there's always going to be people in your circle, men or women, that you need to surround yourself. Just latch on to them. And I call it, I would say, find those people that cheering mm-hmm. and latch on to. Uh, I was very, I've been very fortunate mentors. someone in mine after my first experience making that I called and I was able to share my deepest fears with them about my men. and that trust factor is huge and there's always going to be uh, men and women that you, that really are in your corner mm-hmm. and I I would strongly suggest, the circle is small mm-hmm. you know, but I would strongly seek those because they're always going to be there to guide you. They may not even be someone you talk to every, but you could pick phone and call them and talk to them about uh, the challenges you are facing or uh, just in general, just That's talking. Great. I know that uh, one uh, mentor of ours, we go up and see him at least once a year. And I don't even have to be talking about wine with this person, but just being around them and their depth and their experience. There's so much light that's shed there. Uh, But I I think it's very important in any um, industry grounded. (laughs) And that comes with having that support group that really is your cheering squad that you can go to and, and share your experiences. And it's you learn from a lot of different people, so they may not even be in your industry. But mm-hmm. I think it's very, very important to have that core group mm-hmm. that you can rely on, uh, that you can talk to just about anything, whether it's personal or because your personal growth is it's also part of, you know, your professional growth. Right. And if something's going on in your personal life, it's going to definitely affect, you know, your professional life. But I also say too, if you are in a position of building a team, and whether or not it's in a managerial position or not, surround yourself with the right people. You know, it's taken me a while to find uh, that core group that works at our winery, but I have so, which allows me not to so much to delegate, right? Uh, and and just and focus on other things that really need my attention. And the other thing too, it's important to have fun. <laughs> Absolutely, it's important you have to, to have enjoy the journey. I really do. I think the biggest thing that I learned years ago is that you have to know how to be a servant and before you can really be able
0: absolutely there's a book know. have you read that book no the
1: servant leader no and but it, there's a lot of truth in that we've been very blessed to have a beautiful place that we saw, as, you know, a diamond in the rough like back in 1997 to see it evolve the way it has has just been a true joy but it's to be, it, you know, this is to be shared yeah. for other people to see and have the same experience and, you know, bring their picnics up and, you know, there's too many gadgets in the world we need to go back to conversation oh my and, gosh! And, sh- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this place is so tranquil For so for those of
0: you listening, if you make it to Southern California and, and you, if you're in san diego area this is like a little slice of heaven that's so close to the city but you come here and i automatically feel like i've just left all my problems behind it's tranquil you look out you just see complete vineyards and greenery and your beautiful llama are they llamas they're llamas. llamas up on the hill and you see clouds and you can almost see all the way to the to the Ocean sure. at some
1: point at, when uh, it's clear. It's such a beautiful view up here, and everyone's property. All of the seven winers here in Highland Valley. Everyone has their own unique style. Yes, you know, because we all live on the properties where you're coming to visit, right. which is a huge difference. You're going to always meet the owners. You're going to always meet the winemaker. Uh, typically, I'm in rain boots and you know a hat and. I have grapes all over me. You always or... still look
0: beautiful, though. <laughs> you're always you always put together. I'm always fascinated by your working. So, you know, you're working not only with your customers that are in, but obviously in the field, but you always look so beautiful. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you. So You know, it's, it's just been an incredible journey. Uh, there's so many things that I want to do, but the biggest thing is to... What gives us the most joy is having folks come out to our area and and see what sustainable farming is all about. And you can st- we're just four and a half miles from Interstate 15, but then the minute you drive out here, it's like you're going into another another, another place. World. Well, I love those tips that you
0: shared, just to recap on those, um, what you've learned and what you've taken from your different roles now into winemaking. So have your cheerleader squad have those people that you can latch on to. And I think that's so important. We all need that, like you said, regardless of what industry we're in, you need to build that trust factor. And I love that you felt and you feel like with the people you know that you can share your fears. I have a few people in my life as well. There's never enough and even that's a big thing to be able to share your fears. But when you have that
1: and then feel comfortable enough to be open and vulnerable to then take the feedback. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing is networking is so crucial, I think, in any business Mm -hmm. that you do. I have, and this is where I say you really come outside of your comfort zone. But to be able to uh, I've gone to different seminars and met incredible women, incredible men. they said, Hey, come up and visit us. We've done. It. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I always think that, Every time that you meet someone, it wasn't, it's not by habit chance, it's by design. So I agree. Then there's another door that's going to open, and you never know when the door is going, when that opportunity is going to knock, but you need to be prepared. Right. So networking is really, really huge. And paying it forward, just like you're doing for me, paying it forward is, is significant too. I love putting people together, one or two. Right. But, It's crucial. And you mentioned mentoring, and I'm just
0: curious. You said you see someone once a year. So do most of your relationships, either when you're mentoring folks or, or you're looking for someone, do they happen organically? Or is it something you become vulnerable and say, you know, I could really use some advice or help. For you, what does that
1: look like? It has been both. It happens and when you least expect it. It's interesting how, how you do meet people, and I think it comes from your close inner circle, but it, like the gentleman that, uh, that I was referring to, he was here for a seminar. My husband was able to go to it. I was a day, and my husband invited him back to the vineyard. He came I gave I shared some of my wine with him and he called me the day about my Sanji my Brunello saying <laughs> to I just love it and I was like so excited because this person is a very accomplished winemaker. So it was very humbling to have someone of his caliber actually say how much he enjoyed. It. So speaking of wine, I know you're one of twenty women winemakers in Southern California. But in twenty twelve I just I had to come back home. There was so much to to do and even though my husband is a real trooper, he just could have all of i mean this it's an enormous amount of responsibility and work because you're the farmer first, you know, you rely on mother nature and there's that steep learning curve about all the different challenges that you can face in a vineyard and how to bring the crop in and then the other challenges start. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and it's a phase, right?
0: Like just it's from the a farming phase. to yeah. the creating of the, the wine to then marketing it to managing your winery. It's just, it seems like a huge job. It's, would you consider it, you said it's a lot of responsibility and every job has it, it different degrees would this be the most responsibility you've had in your career?
1: I would say this is by far the most challenging uh, because so many things are really on my plate to oversee and it's there's so many moving parts and they're in inner inner so uh, and it's you know finding that balance finding the right people that you're working with for example this has been the longest growing season we had right now I I'm fermenting two tons of fruit as we speak. And typically I've already started putting my, the wine into barrels Mm. and I'm just in, in secondary fermentation. So I'm hoping by Christmas, I'll have have everything into barrels and that will be my Christmas gift to myself. And then maybe I can, I I will definitely open a bottle of champagne and toast. (laughs) When that
0: work is all done. When
1: that work is all done. And I can't really rest until it's done because this is really a critical point, of Mm -hmm. you know, getting the wine, uh, the young wine through secondary fermentation and then into the barrels. And um, there's just this beautiful marriage. I'm old school. I love the barrels. And it's just a beautiful marriage made in heaven that wine and oak joined together yes yeah. absolutely i've made wine where it's only been in neutral oak and, and there's it, there is a depth versus you know if you're going to just put it in stainless um i have stainless steel Pr- principally i use my stainless to blend and to uh, put my wine in before i bottle it in terms of aging vessels it's going to be new oak once you use a neutral oak when the wine tells me it's ready
0: it's ready all that i think is it too early for wine (laughs) no not at at all Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere yeah
1: exactly well just
0: a couple more things before we wrap up and then i want you to tell the listeners where they can find you so the question one of the last questions i have and you talked about starting a wine career at 50 something what advice for people who want to pivot but you said you have to love what you're doing right like so someone wants to pivot they want to make a, a change a transition they are not sure what they're going to love or where they should go what advice you have for that.
1: I'll give you a, a story just happened last week. A friend of mine is at a crossroad of thinking about what they wanted and they have an opportunity to leave like, travel um, to a foreign country. And I told them, because they're in their 50s, mid-50s, go travel, you know, go travel, really go see, allow yourself to to be in a new environment. Because sometimes, you know, like with me, I didn't have a choice, but sometimes to really make that decision, you need to clear your head and you need to get out of your own Mm -hmm. before you'll be receptive for that new journey. And I know that talking to myself and you need to really get out of your way to just allow this to happen. And, and sometimes getting out of
0: your environment, right? Because absolutely. Because it's hard to get out of your head in right. your environment when you're in it. If you're traveling or you're somewhere else.
1: It gives you time to rest and just to think. Yeah, and that's why I said some. Sometimes it's not about taking a long, expensive vacation. It, I love those little staycations because you need to rejuvenate. You need to allow your mind to just unwind. You need to allow emotions to unwind and you need to just, you know, zone out um, because that's when you can recharge and become creative again. And to think about, oh, is this something I really want to do? And then I would say, if it's a journey that you want to do, you need to talk with someone. I was so honored that my friends spoke to me I've been been friends for a number of years and I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear I told them what I thought they needed to hear Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know you you need that balance with uh, when you're talking about what is it that next journey but if it's something that you you have to believe that that is the journey that you want to take and it has to be your choice not someone else's Mm -hmm. dream because if it's someone else's dream or People will come here and all this you're living the life. I am living life because this is mine. That doesn't mean it's someone else's though. Right. So I would say that you always have to you really need to get out of your way, clear your head and say, What is it that I wanna do? Uh what do what how do I see my life? what do I want that legacy to be? And and start defining that. Um, you know, so many times how many times have I heard friends, parents or grandparents I did this job, I really hated. Mm-hmm. I don't want do it. I was so happy, uh the The day that I walked down to Benefits and and asked (laughs) them to run my, how fast can I get out of here? And I was just beaming. And... I texted my husband, I said, I can't do this. And he said, okay, he said, I'm walking down to benefits. But that Friday, I took everything that was personal about me out of that cube. I knew I was, that I was, was gone. <laughs> That's refreshing when you can make up that, I make know, your decision say, this is it. And it was scary, but it wasn't. It was uh, I felt like a weight had lifted on my shoulder. So everything you see here, my husband and I feel like Oh, gosh, that is just <laughs> an amazing story. When it, and no one can, listening can see this.
0: Then go online and come visit you. It is Absolutely. extraordinary. Absolutely. It really. Is. We're on Instagram. Yeah, it's so nice. as we wrap up, tell everyone where they can find you online and physically come see the winery.
1: Well, Altipiano Vineyard and Winery, we're located at 20365 Mino de la Gila in Escondido, California. So we're only a four and a half miles um, east of the I-15. We're known as the Highland Valley Wine Country. And you can find me under Altaviano Vineyard on Instagram. You can find our uh, Facebook page for Altaviano Vineyard and Winery. And I'm also on Twitter. I just recently (laughs) learned how to tweet. I think my 13-year-old granddaughter showed me, nice. but we, we are open Friday, Saturday, and Sundays from noon to 6, and we look forward to seeing all of you, and um, I will tell you what wines I specialize in. Uh, we grow the Brunello Clone from Alticino, mm-hmm. um, Barbera, Cab, and Petite Syrah. Uh, we, we take about in about 12 tons of fruit a year off of our own property, and then I per- purchase other grapes, so I'm pretty much known for my Syrahs and Petite Syrahs, Super Testing. In my Brunel Sandivate. They are amazing. And big I red. do make big reds. <laughs> yes, this is where you've got to come for a big red. <laughs> yes, big yes. reds, no whites, sorry. No, that's okay, you don't we need have a one win. white on the uh, tasting lineup, but that's just because if someone doesn't like it. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll put all
0: those notes in the or put your information in the show notes so people can come and visit you and right. say hi to Denise when you're here and tell her that you uh, heard her on the podcast. Absolutely,
1: just ask any of the girls there. My husband, where's Denise and I'll be out. Uh, I'm always on property when we're open, pretty much. Yeah, every yes. weekend or every, most weekend, most weekends I'm
0: here. Yeah, yes, it's yes. amazing. Come on out and visit Denise. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining. You're today. welcome. It was Thank so you so nice. much for
1: having me on your show.
0: You're welcome.